0: Hey, welcome to the Blue Line Podcast. Today is a really special episode because we got a couple of our Leafs Nation Network uh, peers, cohort, whatever you want to call it, uh, so a couple of great hosts. So we're going to talk to Paul McGuire about his show in in about a half an hour. Right now, though, Anthony Morgan from Secrets and Science. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I really Woo. appreciate it. Yeah, right. Was it was like, for like, sure. Was just
2: me oh, this show
0: you got is so cool. Yeah. It's literally this the science behind everything that happens on a rink, and I. It's it's something that's completely fresh, completely new, never seen it before.
1: Yeah. Well, I was I was pretty excited about it, yeah, for that reason. I hadn't seen anything like that anywhere. And I, I know there's tons of science in it, and it was just really fun to get to like unpack that and dig in. So
2: I've seen a few of the kind of like sports science-y shows people have made over the years, but hockey has never been something that was really kind of part of that. Yeah. A lot of them were more American-based, so there was a lot more kind of like football and basketball Mm -hmm. and things. So for me, it was so cool to get to see just so many elements of hockey and different aspects of the game like really explored
1: yeah it was really it was really fun that way um, that we got to, you know we were doing things like dropping bowling balls on helmets or <laughs> just like blowing up chemicals yeah, you definitely looked
2: like, like you were having a great it time was, it was pretty awesome yeah uh,
1: yeah I couldn't really believe it was actually a, that people were paying me to do it I would have been doing it by myself just because it's fun but yeah it was it was it was a blast for sure
0: so um, the concept of it is very interesting because it's, again, it's it's explaining the science of the thing that we watch all the time. Yeah. And, you know, we rarely do you get beyond, and even this has only been a really recent innovation, but you never really knew how fast hockey players were even going until yeah. they started putting trackers on them. So, yeah. you know, how fast those pucks come at goaltenders yeah. and just basic level things that are pretty hard to track,
1: right? Yeah, it's uh, it was pretty cool to be able to like I I came at this more from a science world and so I, I really like kind of studying this stuff and exploring it and it was surprising to me all the stuff we learned during the show like it was really surprising just how fast those pucks are moving and like you really need like full body armor to be able to protect yeah. yourself yeah. To, like yeah. it was mm. it was it was really cool to learn a lot about yeah, the sport.
0: And what's interesting about you uh, is that you have a degree in science communication. I do. And that that is like, I mean, for, for, Saskia, I'm I'm not going to speak for you on this one, but for a guy like me, who is illiterate when it comes to that sort of stuff, (laughs) terrible with math, terrible with science.
2: Yeah, I stopped taking both of those subjects in like ninth grade. Yeah. yeah. Um, Because I was just like, I want to just stick
1: to my words. I wish
0: teachers had those degrees because maybe I would have stayed in science a little bit longer.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's part of why I love that degree and, and why I take my work... I mean I'd say take it seriously like having fun is an important part of the work but like I think it's really important that um, people know how to like tell. I think when people think about science they think like oh it's got to be boring and hard and you got to memorize formulas and and that is not to me at all like the whole of science. Science is really just about having fun and like telling stories and if you had a teacher if you were lucky enough to have a teacher who knew how to do that then you probably still really enjoyed science. Is is that what you had? I had yeah some really great teachers. Who did you have? Uh, one Let's of my give him favorites. Shattered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to uh, Mr. Sharetta if you're listening. Um, he was one of my favorites. He was just, he had this infectious enthusiasm about like physics and a way that, like, if you weren't there, I could try to describe it to you and it'll sound silly. Like, I remember. That's one good, class, do it. Yeah, we got I time. <laughs> this one class, we, um, we were looking at like the way that water molecules kind of adhere to each other. So he had a penny and he had like a little eyedropper and he was putting like one eyedrop. Um, of water on at a time. And the question was like, how many drops can you fit on this penny? You guys have any, any guesses? How many, how many water droplets? I'm say you 10. 10? 10. ten. Uh, 20. It was like 36, which is a surprisingly large number. Wow, yeah. But what was more fun about watching it was like watching him at drops number like 34 and 35 was like, hey, uh, no! Like <laughs> he was just losing his mind about it. And it's just, it was hard not to kind of get sucked into yep. like the emotion of the whole thing. And like, yeah, it was just really funny. So he so uh, grabbed it. He did, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't use that uh, language, but yeah, he definitely. Well, grab he grabbed grabbed your, you, like, imagination. You grabbed your imagination. Yeah, he didn't, like, yeah, shake me and be like physics. <laughs> but, like, he was, you know, he was... I'm
2: imagining someone do that to me and be like, mm, oh, yeah, yeah. I'ma change subjects <laughs> now.
1: Yeah. I think that would be the day that I would walk away yeah. from physics too. But...
0: so, so then that's what's interesting about the show is it sort of grabs you in the, you know, wow, I never thought of it that way, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah,
2: completely. It. it what I really liked about it is there is so many elements of the sport that we we know and we see every day or at every game and we take these for granted. And it really kind of, uh, I can imagine like it made me look at it from a different way and kind of yeah. opened my eyes to a lot of different elements of it. But I can only imagine, you know, younger kids who are still in school, who are still taking those science classes and things like that, seeing this and being like, oh, yeah. you know, that's a far better way to think about something that I've, I've been studying that is of interest to me.
1: Well, I really hope so. I mean, for me, um, like, again, science is not just a thing you study. It's a thing you do. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a process you go through. And, and for me, the first part of science always starts at a question. Um, Science happens anywhere you ask a question, and and for me, the weirder the question, the better. So, like, how do you burp louder? How do you get more dates? How do you, like, there's no end to the number of things that science can help you address and, like, figure out, and so...
0: Have you figured out the dates thing? I
1: have, (laughs) yes. Is there an equation for that? Uh, There's, uh, so it's not an equation, but there's a strategy. Um, So I uh, I had a friend who, um, like, they, I I, I came across this paper that said, uh, you get more dates if you ask people out in real life than online. And so we wanted to test that. So we got um, a photograph of my friend Dash, um, and we walked around just asking women on the street, just like, "Hey, would you date this guy?" And they're like, "What? Who are you?" And, and then,
0: Rightfully so. Uh, yeah,
1: right? I would be like, um, "I'm gonna go over
2: here now." Yeah, get, yeah.
0: get away from me, so, strange man.
1: So we did that, and, um, and you know, on the that's the online version, and he got you know a lot of a lot of nose. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Okay. Dash is one of my favorite. But um, then we walked around with the real life dash, doing the same thing, like, "Hey, would you date this guy?" And still a lot of no's, but it was um, but less uh, no's
2: than previously. Exactly,
1: fewer no's. So if you want to get more dates, you spend time asking people out in person. You'll be more successful overall. That's very interesting. All yeah. All right. All right. You can use science to explore anything. <laughs> yeah. So you you
0: worked at the uh, Ontario Science Center. Yeah. And well, yeah. and I mean, what I uh, I mean, Saski, I got to tell you. That was the best field trip you could go okay, on I have growing up. I've
2: been to the entire that I went, I think, last year, yeah. uh, and it was amazing. Even as you know, fully grown adult, I can't imagine how exciting it must be as a kid. But um, yeah. with Australia has one called uh, Questacon okay. that we went to when we were maybe twelve or thirteen. Way cooler name, by the oh, way. Yeah. But Quest- it's, it like the, it's like the slightly, national slightly science cool. center um, in like in the, like Australia's Ottawa, which is called Canberra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and it's un- it's unreal, like all of those things that I loved the Ontario Science Centre. Yeah.
1: It's a blast. I mean, I really grew up there. That's where I think I like I have a degree in science communication, but I think I really cut my teeth in it in like the trenches at the Science Centre because I've been there for like 12 years. Um wow. like most yeah, most of my adult life I spent at the Ontario Science Centre and it's where like People like Mr. Shoretta, they kept my interest in high school, but I, when I got to university, I didn't, I didn't love it because I didn't have those teachers who were really good at making mm-hmm. the science come alive, but where I really, really, like, I really saw science and, it, like, it changed for me was at the Science Center because, um, I don't know, they just... It's a place where, not, not even just for kids, it's just a place where anybody can play with and get their hands dirty in science themselves. It's not, like, you don't have to wait for a teacher. You get to do it yourself.
0: When you're there, and it's got to help... Kind of sharpen your communication skills and your hosting skills because yeah. you're dealing with kids who yeah. have the attention span of a goldfish. And yes, is it after and, yeah.
2: and the razor sharp teeth? Yes, yeah. exactly.
0: <laughs> so I Some wonder <laughs> if there is a is there a is there a point at which you you figure out kind of the formula of keeping someone's attention? Yeah, and you can kind of see it click in their eyes, like okay, now I got you.
1: Yeah, actually, there really is. That's that's where I think I. Again, that's where I think I really learned how to do uh, what I do is um, like the hardest demographic to engage at the science center is the you remember when you go on like the field trips when you're like 16 and you're you know you're too cool for anyth- it like I don't care about anything whatever yeah. my arm fell off I don't care <laughs> like I don't care about anything um, <laughs> well. and so like for those kids who don't care about anything like how do you grab their attention and how do you get them to love what it is that you love and um, generally for me, I like to start from surprise. Anytime you surprise somebody, that's when they have to reorganize how they understand the world, but that's when they want to. Like, you ever been to see a magic show? Yes. Yeah, and every single magic trick there's the same thing everybody says at the end of it. How the hell did you do that? Like, I wanna know how you did that. Yeah. And so if you can make science seem like magic, then people wanna know how you did it, and then I'm just, I'm just basically a magician who tells people how I do my tricks. <laughs> <and> my <boss. laughs>
2: so. I like that I like way of thinking thinking about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no I mean so like my favorite thing to do is just like I, I regularly electrocute people or I'll set people on fire. I'll do things where people like, if I that tell can
2: you- That could be so taken out of context, just that one right. <laughs> that's,
1: that's right. I mean, that's people the problem for the show.
0: I electrocute people and set them on fire. because right? yeah.
1: when you say that, people are like, what does that mean? Like, technically, it's not electrocution because that means you kill them. So I'm yes. shocking people, but when you tell people, I'm about to set you on fire, they're like, I really want to know how this is going to work because <laughs> I want to make sure- Is this?
0: Is there not an insurance issue with this?
1: There, I mean- <laughs> I, I, You better get yes, right. For, for uh, forgiveness, not permission, but like, as long as you know what you're doing? Like there are ways to do it. As long as safe-ish. you don't harm anybody, yeah. you know, considerably. You, worst case scenario, like I've lost a little bit of arm hair. It grows back. Okay, it yeah. grows back. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. You know, <laughs> that's amazing. So,
2: putting this show together, how how do you decide what science to explore? How do you decide uh, what parts of hockey? Uh, were you a hockey person?
1: I would say that I came at this again more from a a science perspective than a a hockey perspective, Mm -hmm. but I love just using science to explore anything. So for us the questions that we wanted to ask and the the experiments we wanted to explore were mostly just based around what is the funniest or like what is the most entertaining. Oh I know
2: which one was the most entertaining.
1: What was it for you? Uh, For me
2: it was definitely the hockey player race as a dog. I'm just gonna say.
1: (laughs) That was so good. I
2: made was... every person <laughs> oh, in man. the office watch that. To be honest, the entire video is fascinating. Yeah. The differences with uh the the track cyclist or yeah. the the cyclist, um, and the I believe you had a skateboarder, mm-hmm. and then you had uh the uh, hundred meter sprinter. Yep, the sprinter. Um, and just those differences, and then
1: the dog. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you need to watch the video to find out well, how the dog does, bec- but it's great.
1: <laughs> it's, it was hilarious to Just me. It hard. was probably one of my favorite days because like, it starts from a really good question that inevitably has to have a funny answer. Yeah. Like, you, If I ask people who would win in a race between like, a, a greyhound and a hockey player, like, it's not a question that is immediately obvious to you. You're like, huh, you kind of want to know. And then like, to be able to set that up, I mean, it's a, it's a ridiculous thing to do. To have like even getting the dog to run like a straight I track, I was really yeah. impressed about that. Yeah. Was, I was like,
2: "How did you do this?" Yeah, so like that tr- dog runs a considerable distance.
1: It was fast, and, it, and to and be it's honest, a the hand. dog did. Yeah, I mean, that's, it was a, it was a pug. It was it a was little a, tiny dog, oh, which is makes no. it even funnier. You were
2: like, "It was a greyhound." No. I was like, "No, no, it no. was like oh, okay. a pug bulldog yeah, yeah, yeah. kind so, of." So in a little, it had a little vest on. it, had a little vest. So
1: good. Yeah, Normie, or what was the name? I can't remember the name of the dog. She was a champion, anyways, but. Uh, to get her to run in a straight line, you just basically we played fetch, but like you just have to make sure you throw the ball straight enough and like far enough down the line that she'll she'll, like she'll go, she'll see it and she yeah she just laser oh, focus, but it was really fun. Um, it was a uh, you know there was it was a bit of a shameful moment for me. I was the skateboarder, and uh, <laughs> to compete against um, uh, you know um, our hockey player, it was really. I, I thought like I've got a good chance at winning this thing. Like I I was training <laughs> like I was like I can do this and yeah blew me out of the water. Yeah, I was, uh, it was devastating. Smart. It was a devastating day, but overall I'm glad we did it. So, so. Tell,
0: tell me about this. Um, tell me about the secrets of Stadium Ice a little bit, and without giving away too much of the episode, because there is. I mean, God, I read an article the other the other week about how global warming's terrible for the NHL because it it. Um, it, it's making it harder and harder. I think global
2: warming is generally terrible. Generally for terrible, but yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But in this context, but that out there,
1: we should like, Bye take for a minute everybody. to think about the hockey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like
0: yeah, yeah, but so. what about the hockey? So you know, it's making it harder and harder, especially in 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 not, not even just southern climates because they're sort of used to it, but even the, the mid level climates that do get winter yeah. to keep to keep the arenas cold. Yeah. So what what are some of the things that you found out that you know most people just would never know?
1: Well, so I think one of the um. I don't know. I don't know how to how to share this without giving too much away. But like, just there is a more specific technique for producing mm-hmm. um, rink ice than I ever thought. I thought it was just you just flood a rink nope. with a bunch of ice, mm-hmm. you get it to the freezing point, and then that's good enough. You get some you get some ice. But like, there's really fine technique that goes into making sure that you get ice that's not too soft, not too hard. That like people can curve in it, but you can still build speed in it. It was um, it was way more complex than I thought. Um, so. And I think, like, when you when you think about climate change, like, for the kids that grow up um, getting to play hockey on outdoor arenas or like outdoor rinks, like that, just that is becoming a thing of the past, just because it's not like the last couple of winters we had in Canada. Um, I don't know when it would have been cold enough yeah. in like mm-hmm. the city for yeah. you to maintain and ice. And if
2: you are able to get it, the the window for it
1: is pretty small. is, yeah. is getting
2: smaller exactly. uh, and smaller. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: exactly. So, yeah, um, there's. I mean, there's a lot of that's what I like about science is the different ways that um, things that seem really far away from what you care about are all kind of interconnected and getting to untangle that web and understand all the little connections it's really that's what was exciting for me about making the show was to find all those little connections you know it was really cool
2: the other one that I really liked and I think I just like well I mean I liked the science but I also liked it because you set most of the glassware you yeah, know, on Feel yeah, the, fire. Yeah. Yeah, the, the that burn up. was kind of, kind of. Fun. I loved the signs that you were looking at from the perspective of head. like how much um, energy these players are consuming and what yeah. that, what that equates out to. I found that really interesting because we just see them and we're like, oh yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, you, yeah, hot. you see them come off the ice and they're like, you know, they're all drenched in sweat and you're like, well, they probably were working hard. But I did the same thing, climbing the stairs twice. I'm pretty out of shape. <laughs> um, and so, like, for us, one of the things I learned at, like, um, getting my, my degree and, like, spending time at the Science Center was, like, it's, re- it's all well and good to say, like, you're burning 3,000 joules of energy. But, like, for most people, that doesn't, like, it's they don't have hot. anything to hang on to there to understand that. So trying to figure out how to make... Those things more tangible and visible um, is really important. Um, I say that from an academic perspective, but mostly I just wanted to see stuff blow up, so <laughs> that was pretty cool. And it was a really good yeah, way you to guys, do it.
2: You, you definitely did. There was, I remember watching it and just being like, "Oh, okay, yep, this is wait, that's on fire. <laughs> yeah, 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 oh man. That melted through the oh, I didn't realize yeah. that could happen. Yeah,
1: yeah, we were all a little surprised. Um, it was. Like, we, we knew it was gonna be a lot of energy. Um, and the, the equipment we use, like, is Pyrex, so it's de- it's designed to be able to take a lot of heat. But That's um, what,
2: that's the part where I was like, I thought this was okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, that's why we have all the, like, the fire safety equipment on hand. Um, but, like, yeah, that definitely caught us off cut. I looked at the, um, like, I watched the, I mean, I lived it. But yeah. to watch the footage, um, I always like to think I was kind of a brave Individual, but I watched the footage and I am really not like I was. I was you could see me. So you learned something about and, yourself. That's Ducking yeah. <laughs> into the side out. I thought I'd been like, Ugh, stand aside. I'll take care of this. But no, it's just mostly. Is the cowering you're like, oh, I'm in the corner? I
0: mean, like if we're yeah.
1: being honest, is the goal always to try to set something on fire or blow At it up? One uh, close to one hundred percent of the time. Yeah, like even if I'm just. Like learning about like something really calm, like uh, pla- plants. How do plants grow and and face the sun? And what happens if you dust them in kerosene? And I'm like, I, I, of course, people like fire. I like fire. People want. Yes, I
2: have a brother like this. Want, you know, She's
1: not
2: involved so. in science.
0: What did you? And again, without giving away too much, because you can grab all this stuff on the on the Maple Leafs app. Um, but I'm just trying to, you know, we want want to pull from little bits from every episode so people know what to
1: look up. But Dropping bowling balls on helmets. Yes. Yeah, that was a funny day. That was the,
2: the, the, like, generations of helmets. Yes. Yeah,
1: well, so that was, that was the kind of, the question we were exploring, right, is, like, how has hockey equipment evolved over time to become, like, the sport is getting faster and players are getting stronger and tougher and, like, the puck is moving faster than it's ever moved. How do you update the safety equipment that you use to make sure that you can actually survive a hockey game? And so we were kind of trying to unpack that and looking at, like, helmets from like the early days of the game, they were basically... Leather. Like, like you're, just, <laughs> yeah. you're just basically taping cloth to your face and yeah. being like, I hope this works.
2: bit of leather, a bit of paper mache. Yeah,
1: really. And so, yeah, the the, the hockey, or the, sorry, the um, bowling ball experiment was just a funny, funny way to kind of unpack that and to look at, like, how much energy can these things really absorb yeah. through time? And... Um, so like I would feel comfortable, I feel safe wearing the hockey equipment they got today. But I don't know. Like, oh
2: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: The guys from the early days, like they were, I don't know if they were brave, insane, or probably they were probably just both. But like, yeah, they
2: were, no, 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 they're definitely. I've met some of them. They were both. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Different generation too. It's yeah. funny, like yeah. you know, there it's just a different. I mean, I remember my dad if telling me. If you don't me, know
2: any better, because that's how it's always been. Then yeah. exactly. You just assume it is, is part of the, the, the sport.
0: Yeah. My dad said when he used to go to hockey practice, because he's from Montreal, so they go to hockey practice on a Saturday morning or something like that, yeah. pull the skates out of the bag, and the boot would just fall over. Because <laughs> there was just it was just leather. That's all it was. There was no protection. Right, so easy that to break a foot if you know you take a puck the wrong way yep. or
1: whatever. It's it's insanely easy. Um, we, we did an episode on on like the evolution of hockey skates too, and like we saw, we saw that skates was from was like the early nineteen hundreds, and and you realize like you think you see the old footage and you're like, okay, there's some craftsmanship that went into it, but they're basically just wearing like house slippers with blades like butter knives nailed to them. Yeah, I and mean, like you could
2: see what they could do with them back That's then. That's amazing. That's what's so
1: incredible about it is like, even like, cause the, the tools that guys have now are incredible. Like there's, there's so much engineering engineering that goes into them. And so the stuff that you see players do, you're like, it's amazing, but you're like, they've also got this really amazing equipment. So to go back and watch how the old guys did it, like it's, it's really, it's another level because they just, they did not have anywhere near the kind of equipment that we have now. So,
0: wow. Yeah. wow. So, you know, being a, a guy that, you know, knew hockey, liked hockey, but you weren't, you know, maybe a, as intense a fan as, as some of the rabid Maple Leaf fans that we yeah. see all the time. Um, what Has it given you a new pre- appreciation for the game and what occurs during a game?
1: You know, I think it has. Um, like, when you look at anything from the outside, I think the thing that's funny about getting into something new is that you start to pick out all the little nuance, all the little like small details that like true fans start to appreciate. And I feel like I've started to step into that and understand it a bit more. Like, I mean, I'm not a stranger to hockey. I grew up no, as a like, Canadian kid and like i I played street hockey and I'd get in trouble for coming home late playing. And like <laughs> me and my high school buddies, we still, like we used to get together every year at, in university to come and play like our, our classic at home. So I like, I knew about, like I knew enough about the sport, but like getting to do the show really kind of kind of open up a lot of the fine details for me about um, about yeah how the game really works and, and I'm and I'm still new but um, <laughs> it's it's exciting to kind of start to yeah sink my teeth into it and really understand it you know
2: we're, I was going to say we're, we're not we're not unwelcoming um, uh, yeah. particularly ones that bring the kind of understanding yeah uh, that you have did you so we talked about a few of the different episodes but was there one that was like your favorite for the science or just from the obviously you enjoyed the racing the racing the bulldog uh, but did you have like a this is this was my one or this is the one that i really appreciated the most
1: i'd say um, we've probably hit on like you you hit on some of the like yeah. the yeah the, the, the biggest hits for me where um, like they were all they were all fun in their own way. Like we got playing with liquid nitrogen was a lot of fun. Um, that's always <laughs> playing fun. playing
0: with liquid nitrogen. Uh, I mean, using
1: liquid nitrogen responsibly was, <laughs> was always fun. Um, but I'd say yeah, the uh, the ones that like the the times that I'm uh, most excited to do this kind of work are the times when I am surprised and. And when you set up a race between a pug and a hockey player, there's no way to know what's going to happen. I was definitely surprised. I
0: mean, that's your job, too, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: what did that's you see cool. today?
2: I raced a hockey player against a pug dog. That's right.
1: That's right. Um, in so slow
2: motion.
1: In slow motion, yeah. It was uh, it was spectacular. I really wanted to have, like, the Chariots of Fire song on top of it, too. <laughs> the t- 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 t. But, um, so that was one of my favorites. And then I would say the, um, yeah, the the... Uh, potassium chloride. You know, actually another fun one was um, fun in a surprising way was looking at um, like the first part of that episode where we were figuring out like how much energy you burn and how they measure that stuff. It was really kind of a a surreal moment to have just a guy walk down a hallway and hand you a cup of his urine and be like, here you go. Like that was, that was, it was a bizarre and weird thing. That was a, that was a really funny day. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. There's lots of memorable. I don't know if I'd put that in the favorites, but memorable yeah, for, sure. for yeah. sure. I mean, um, yes,
2: memorable is a good way to describe yeah, that one. It's definitely
1: memorable. And so, what's
0: what are some of the episodes that you haven't done yet in terms of like in your own mind, like if mm. if if you were to go and because you guys covered a lot of ground this season. Yeah. If there was something like,
1: I'd really like to get to that. You know, one of the things I wanted to do um, was, and we didn't get the chance, so hopefully we can do that to the next go around, but um, I really there's there's a lot of weird science about um, why your skate works on the ice and how you glide over it. Yep. I think people sort of know a little bit about it, like
0: the, the... other than the fact that it warms up. That's all I really know. Exactly.
1: And but it's also got a lot to do with the difference in temperature between your blade and the ice. And so we started to unpack that with um, liquid nitrogen. But one thing I really wanted to try was to take like a blowtorch to uh, a blade, heat it up, get it like super red hot, and then dip another blade in like liquid nitrogen and have those t- like have two of the, like, I don't know, top guys for speed compete against each other, one with hot blades, one with, like, cold blades, and see who went, see, if, like, what the effect is there. I think that would be really fun to do. Um, and then I'd have to figure out a way to make that explode. I don't know how I do that, <laughs> but, but You'd I'll Get to be the like, end of the ring and you like, and those are supposed
2: to finish line. <laughs> <laughs> At
1: the end, will be, like, fireworks. It's amazing.
0: I'm curious about, I just want to go back to the energy expelled. Because... What we always talk about is, is or what we always hear about is these, these amazing appetites that these athletes, and it doesn't yeah. matter what the sport is. Yeah. Um. You know, do, did you get a sense of how much somebody needs to eat to expel that kind of energy?
1: You know, um, sit, uh, watching like when we were doing the episode, we were figuring out how much energy he uses. Um, one of the things that really struck me was just like, how gigantic these dudes are. Like, they're, they are built, you're like. they big boys. Uh, yeah.
2: I'm four foot eleven, and I have to stand next to some of them sometimes in gear, and I'm like, cool. You yeah. are, th- yeah. this is funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's, it's, you feel like you're standing next to, like, a Sasquatch or some kind of, yeah, like, they're, they're totally. just giant it's, human beings. Hi, I'm and the to power that, like, you, you know that they have to, like, they're only on, like, a couple of seconds at a time, like, 30 seconds a minute on the ice at a time. Um, but, like. The amount of energy they are expelling in that short amount of time to get like it's just constant. It's like wind sprints. If you ever done wind sprints, oh yeah. just, Ugh. you're gassed, you're exhausted Deep by test. the end of it. <laughs> and so, um, it became apparent to me really quickly. Like, yeah, these the diet for these guys has got to be like enormous. They they have to eat a tremendous amount. There's a if lot of
2: chicken and a lot of pasta.
0: Oh really? A lot of chicken, a lot of pasta. Yeah, I, mean, I guess because you
1: yeah, need carbs, right?
2: Yeah, 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 chicken and pasta is leg- like chicken pasta, like lean meats, pasta. Like that's that is.
0: I'd love to be able to that's eat That's basically
2: pasta. all. Ninety percent of their diet, not ninety yeah. percent of diet, but a lot of their game day diet is chicken pasta salad.
1: This is some of the data you guys collected when you were uh, uh, well, I mean, like it's, Wendell, Wendell, or like I know you guys we got. Should have, some we should. We should cool him. Guys. I'm
0: sure Wendell Clark's.
2: I think it's just a common knowledge kind of is it thing oh, yeah. So, yeah like like yeah it's. I, t- I've done a lot of touring around various countries with professional hockey teams and i just being like, guess what you guys getting for lunch? Yeah. <laughs> Chicken and pasta. <laughs> Do you know what we're
0: having today?
1: Chicken and pasta. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's cool. Probably yeah. some
0: ugly green shake in there some, at some point in the day, too. Yes,
1: yeah. that's, that's what I could see doing is to see if you could like eat like uh, eat like the pros and sit down and like oh. see if you could consume the amount that these guys consume. Daryl like a... Swiss chalet. Daryl Sittler?
2: Daryl uh, Swiss chalet. He uh, Daryl Sittler got a, had a ten-point game. Right, yes. And beforehand, he was running late or something, so he got like a half chicken or a full chicken and chips from Swiss Chalet and like sat in his car and ate them. Had a nap, <laughs> came out and scored ten points. <laughs> and it's still that's, the NHL record. Yeah. Like years Explain later. Explain the to
1: that one. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm pretty I mean, sure. I'm pretty sure it's Daryl that that's where that story comes from. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there was yeah. something
1: magical in that chicken. I don't know what yeah, it was. Yeah, with, like um, Swiss Chalet chicken. That's I amazing. I didn't expect it endorse that today <laughs>
0: Okay. so uh what do you what do you have going on outside of outside of this for this summer like what's what do what you do
1: yeah so um outside of uh hosting the show i'm also on um i host a couple other shows there was one on um discovery channels daily planet Saw so I, yeah. I have uh, a regular segment there where i just find weird things to do every week um i also started a did i blow up uh, yes frequently mm, frequently, frequently yeah okay um, one of my favorite ones we did recently we made a um, do you guys know what a Jacobs ladder is no you, you, if you haven't heard the term you've probably seen them before it's like the it's those two antennae it's like a standard part of like a mad scientist lab so it's two antennae and you get the electricity like yep. climb yeah yeah that thing so um, we made one of those and we wanted to see if you could use it to like, uh, barbecue so we put like a hot dog on <laughs> a stick between it and let the electricity like to see if the electricity would climb It actually works. <laughs> it actually does very slowly cook this thing um, It tasted terrible, but uh, I can't be sure I think it's probably it was just the hot dog brand we got might have started. been yeah, hot dogs, yeah. But, um, So that's one thing I do and then um, another one of the uh, the main thing I'm up to right now is uh, I started a, a company as well called science everywhere and so we basically just find fun ways to remind adults that science is awesome. So, usually that means like again, electrocuting people or setting them on fire. Um, And so we're working on like some event series that are happening. I am never going
2: to anything. You should totally.
1: People love being set on fire. I've set like close to a thousand people on fire by now, and they like I've never come across a person who's like "Mm, I wouldn't do it. I kind
0: of wish that we could right now. Like I wish that I brought
1: it. If I thought about it next time. (laughs) Next time I will happily light you guys ablaze.
0: And where can we find you on social media if we want to follow along?
1: So you can find uh, Science Everywhere at Where Is Science, Mm -hmm. Uh, and you can follow me at uh, Anthony M. S, sorry Anthony M X S E okay yeah
0: okay and well, because there's a there's another very famous Anthony Morgan who uh, who's a human rights lawyer yeah he so is. Yeah. You know, we respect the work he does but that's yeah, yeah, a yeah. different he's, Anthony Morgan he's,
1: he's <laughs> I wish him all the best of luck he keeps getting all my Twitter followers <laughs> amazing hey thanks so much for being on the show today thank you guys so much for having me I really appreciate it What's up, Leaf Nation? I'm Scott Willits and you can catch me every Friday right here on This Week in Leafs Nation. We're gonna break down every game of our first round matchup against the Boston Bruins. It took 82 games, we waited long enough. We're gonna get you primed and ready. For an original six matchup like this, you need in-depth analysis. You can only catch that right here on the Leaf Nation Network.
0: the blue line podcast adam wilde Sasky Stewart, and from always a leaf and many other things paul mcguire good morning do Hello. Hello. Yeah. Good, good
3: afternoon Absolutely. good evening it's a podcast there's no time we're yeah. in like <laughs> vegas and maybe good night
2: yeah what time you listening to this that's
0: right so paul yeah um we, we there's oh, so
2: cool.
0: you get to do he gets to do all the interviews truly that i think and ask all the questions of people the legends that used to play for this team that everybody wants to ask
3: it I can't tell you what a dream job, always a leaf, has been for me. Um, I've been a huge Maple Leaf fan for, uh, I, I don't know, for 30 years. I was born in Scotland. We emigrated uh, when I was very young to Toronto, and um, uh, uh, very quickly... Became enamored with with hockey. I was never very good. I was very skinny and little and weak, so I was never very good. <laughs> Sounds <at> like
2: my <laughs> hockey player. Actually,
3: about. my nickname in hockey was Chicken Legs. So I played a little bit of house <laughs> league in Thornhill, but um, uh, it wasn't very good. I loved watching it. So my dad worked downtown. And he used to take me down every night. Again, we'd get out of college and uh, uh and, and watch games at Maple Leaf Gardens. And all of those players that I watched from you know from the the late 70s until. You know, just a few years ago, I got a chance to to interview a lot of these players over the last, uh, uh, I guess, six to eight months. Um, and you're right. It's been a dream. There are no TV shows where people do long-form interviews anymore. Mm. And for each of these shows, we did 16 players, 16 alumni for Always a Leaf. For each player, I spent uh, three hours, between two and three hours with each of them. And you can you can get to a lot of stuff in three hours. Obviously, each show isn't three hours long. It's only half an hour long. And they condense each Always a Leaf episode in, into uh, two halves, two players per episode. But uh, to get the chance to spend the time with, um, with guys that wore the blue and white uh, was, a, was a real treat. And I mean, we're talking about, you know, Paul Henderson. And uh, uh, um, we're talking about uh, Ron Ellis. And we're talking about Doug Gilmore and Wendell Clark, who I bumped into this morning already coming into uh, Air Canada Centre. So it's it's been a real treat.
2: You could tell watching them that you were kind of in your element doing these. Yeah. Like there was that there was that part of you that was like I, I kind of can't believe I'm <laughs> here asking questions yeah. of this person.
3: Yeah, and they were into it, and they were. Okay, so there's a few things. And I can, I can kind of go on and on and on. So just stop me if I start rambling. That's kind of this the podcast. point. Of yeah. the podcast. So okay. Please ramble. Yeah. All right. So Austin, us more <laughs> often when these players are interviewed, it's in the context of what do they think about the current Leafs roster? Mm-hmm. How do you think... Austin Matthews is going to do, um, what are they going to do with JVR? What are they going to, you know, all of these things. They're often asked about what's going on with the, with the current Leaf team. They don't get a chance. You know, I mean, I know Wendell wrote a book and Dougie wrote a book and all of these things. So they've had a chance to kind of take stock of their legacy and look back. But um, they don't often get a chance to dig into the minutia with anybody else. And that's what we did with this. We gave them a chance to kind of um, to reflect a little bit on the legacy. Um, some of them spent... Years and years in a Leaf uniform. Some of them were only here for a cup of coffee. Uh, But the impact the team made on them, as well as the impact they made on the city and the team, um, is really kind of evident, I think, in this show. Uh, It's a little different because, I mean, you guys have seen uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, the Seinfeld show, right? So I think the genius of that, as opposed to what David Letterman's doing now on Netflix, which is just kind of sitting there and talking to somebody, which isn't so different from, from what Letterman used to do. I mean, Seinfeld's thing is he gets these people who are normally static on a stage, stand-up comedians, and they move. There's movement. There's actual movement. They're in a car going from A to B to C. Um, And there's something something different about somebody's response to a question when they're walking and talking or where they're driving and talking. As opposed to if they're sitting in a TV studio under the glare of lights with a microphone clipped on them and and, and a crew, a Mm. a TV crew that has Mm. to all hush up while you guys, you know, while the the host and the interviewer do their thing. There's something a little different about the actual movement. And that's what we did on this show. The the producers of the show and MLSE wanted us to move. They wanted us to actually walk and talk, which um, got... Which made for unique responses from the players, from the alumni. Uh, it is the it became the hardest show ever for cameramen to shoot oh, because yeah. all yeah. they're doing is walking backwards and walking into shit constantly. Mm-hmm. So beeping, <laughs> you, can you beep <laughs> yeah. that? <Or> <laughs> can beat that? We can beat that. All fine. they're doing, honestly. I, so there's a different show for. So I'm walking along with Wendell Clark because he, he was our first one. He's the first guy we interviewed back uh, on Halloween, I think. And all, what the was he dressed guys, as? That's, that's very funny. He, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Wendell, he, he came as Wendell Clark. Oh. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> Good costume. And,
2: uh, 2017, But Wendell all the, the
3: camera guys are all walking backwards, bumping into poles and stepping in ditches and doing all this stuff. So I'm watching them, and you know I might be hearing an answer from somebody that's like about a, a family member they've lost or something like that. And I can't stop them to, to warn a cameraman that they're walking backwards and, and about to bump into something. So it was a bit of a different show for me to watch the technical side of things happen. Um, but the idea of the long form and getting to actually talk about their life Legacy uh, was uh, was I think refreshing for them. I hope. Yeah. I mean, none of them uh, uh, seemed to uh, run out of things to talk about, or they didn't want us to leave. Kind of when we were there, which it, was great.
0: It is interesting because you know
3: there's the there's Once the you
2: can get a hockey player started exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say Once you get a hockey player started.
0: Same wavelength there. <laughs> we were going the exact same spot. Right? It's, yeah. it's it's funny you know um, you know because these guys were guys that were asked, like the current Leafs, about the game. What's the game, the game, the game, the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then your player, your, your teammate could get traded. Your teammate's got a, an expiring contract, as you mentioned, with JVR. And, yeah. and, and it's so interesting now, after their career is over, because they might have been kind of quiet with the media before. And then you see them kind of go, yeah. Here's what I really thought of this situation. One that really stood out to me was Gary Roberts. Yeah. And first off, Gary Roberts, not only, he's got 80 million abs under there. Yeah. Uh, it's unbelievable the shape is he's he still in. Is just
2: a little bit intimidating in person? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because oh, I, yeah. like, I was like, oh, Gary Roberts, I loved you and I'm still scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: but I mean, we we're, were at his kid's school we're at St. Andrew's College in yep. Aurora, you know, where his kids go to school. I mean, the guy's a dad. Yeah. He's, he's, he's uh, uh, everybody looks at him there. They kind of know him. Hey, Gary, hey, Gary, what's up?
0: What's what's going on, you know? Yeah,
3: uh, yeah. Uh, yeah but he is you know it's there's there's a a surface (laughs) there you
0: can crack the surface though he's great yeah well and what stood out about that interview to me was the the part where he talked about going to Florida yeah and when he when he left here and to go to the Florida Panthers and I remember he and Joe Neuendijk leaving which just broke my heart right broke my heart after that after the lockout I
2: loved Joe Newendyke so much
0: they were great and and it was and for him to say I knew it was a mistake when you never hear a hockey player say that yeah
3: yeah um there's another another guy that said that uh, Curtis Joseph said that um because when he and I told him that I was pretty angry when he left and went to chase that cup in Detroit and then Hashik came back and kind of spoiled his plans yeah and um, and I there was a bit of sh- uh, what is the, what's the what's the word schadenfreude? Schadenfreude? Oh, schadenfreude. Yeah. Schadenfreude. schadenfreude, happiness
2: at the misfortune of others.
3: Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. you um, told him that. I did. I told him I was really mad at him. I said, dude, I was, I was kind of like when, when Hasha came back, I was kind of like, that's what you get for, for leaving the place that, you know, we needed you. We loved you. And you went off to Detroit to go, I kind of, I'll be honest. I was a little bit mad when Sundin went and played in for Vancouver? a second in Vancouver. And I was like, don't tarnish the legacy. Don't do that. But, um, so I told Curtis that and he's like, and, and this is what he said to me. He goes, I, if I could do things differently, I would. Interesting. If I could do and and." You don't, you're right, you don't hear people say that very often when that, that kind of level of honesty comes out. And I mean, you know, Curtis had an incredible career, and he did get a chance to come back and finish his career in Toronto, right? So it, it actually ended up happening. He got to go out the way he wanted to go out. He didn't get the cup, but he got to go out the way he wanted to go out. And I think with the level of success that he had, the, the family situation that he's got, um, you know, where he's got you know, h- healthy and happy kids and all of that stuff... Um, that you can kind of look back at a career and, and maybe be, I'll be a little bit honest as, as age comes around, you know? And uh, that is also a wonderful thing about this show. I mean, Glenn Healy is a very, very, uh, uh, you know, he speaks candidly about, and he always did. <laughs> he got spe- him he it, spoke candidly as an, or as a, as an on-air broadcast Got him into too. some trouble over the yeah, years, you did, know, for yeah. sure. But that's also refreshing, right? Um, so a lot of these guys uh, spoke very candidly on the record about about stuff because they can now, mm-hmm. and they know what it means to Have been a leaf and they know because they wear it, they can't escape it every day, every moment of their lives. Somebody is coming after them going, Hey, what's going on? You know, uh, um, I remember when my dad took me to this game, I remember when you know I was watching this game with my mom, I remember when I was doing, you know, there, there's mm-hmm. there are uh, uh these people are major parts of our lives. Yeah. And they know that they can't escape it. So And I think they
2: stayed within this kind of Toronto community. I yeah. think that's what also makes a difference. They came in and they became part of the, the Maple Leafs and they represented the Maple Leafs and then they, they stayed. Yeah. You know, we visibly see them it is it, they didn't go back somewhere else where yeah. they became a kind of this idea that we never see there. In the building, you know, they come and hand out. You know, our Leafs alumni come and hand out the jerseys. Yeah, they have the Leafs alumni blazers, as we saw on Jeff O'Neill the yeah. other day on TV. Yeah. I was like, "That's a nice blazer, Jeff. Good work." You <laughs> yeah. know, they they've very much become part of that fabric of Toronto, and I think that also really impacts how they.
3: I they hope. Feel. I, I really hope people check check out the show. Um, the cool thing I, I realized about it as we were doing it is that their Leaf story, uh, the 16 alumni that we spoke to, um, their Leaf story won't change. So this show has a shelf life. And I mean, I've worked in, uh, you know, you guys, we've, we've all worked in, in daily television I and mean, the podcast and stuff that we're doing right now has a shelf life. Um, these shows have a really, really long shelf yeah. life because all of the alumni's Leaf story isn't gonna change. They're not gonna strap it uh, you know, put on the skates again for, and play for another team and change their, their legacy. Their, their hockey history is written already. Um, on the, the on ice part of it. So the, this, the, the stories that they tell are, would be the same if we talked to them in a year, or in two years, yeah. or in three years. Um, and, uh, and because of the fact that we did spend the amount of time that we, that we did with each player, uh, I think they, they revealed some things that they don't normally reveal. The executive producer of the show, his name's James Hislop, and he texted me um, after he had watched a couple of them, and he said, you don't, you don't hear hockey players talk like this very mm-hmm. often. So um, it's kind of a great thing. It's a pretty unique thing, I think. If
0: you're a Leaf fan, it's, uh, it's worth it, I hope. Well, okay, so let's go through, because we mentioned Gary Roberts, we mentioned Wendell Clark, we mentioned Doug Gilmore, Curtis Joseph. Yeah. That's a quarter of the guests. Yeah. Who, who else do we have? All right. And I, you don't have I, to name them all. I don't know if I'm going to remain. We, we, the first one, the
3: alpha was uh, Wendell, who I bumped into today. I think he's doing a podcast with you guys as well. Um, I bumped into Wendell, and he was the first one that we did. We started in October, and we finished up... Uh, with with Mr. Healy, at his house, (laughs) on Lake Ontario, uh, which is beautiful, and apparently was the site of many, many parties over the years, (laughs) uh, because it wasn't too far from the city, but it was far enough, Um, and and he was, we had to go to his house, he changed that, we were supposed to meet at the MasterCard Center, and he changed it at the last minute he called an audible, so we all had to drive out to his house, because he is now the executive director, or the president of the NHL Alumni Association, and he was, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but he was on the phone with China. <laughs> wow. Uh, a, on a big conference call with China about whether or not the pros are going to play in the next Olympics. Wow. So these are like people who are in the middle of it, man, who are like dealing with the real, real you know, the, the, the meat of the game as it is right now. Uh, another guy, Chris King. I think you've had some experience (laughs) with Mr. King. I'm
2: good friends with (laughs) him. Chris King was definitely my boss for a a while. I heard,
3: I mean, his name's been in the news a ton lately because of the the new goaltender interference uh, changes that have come in and how they're going to have officials in the situation room, I think. With Mr. That's King. such a
2: great. That was such a great little episode because yeah. from a like obviously I know the situation room inside now yeah. having spent a year and, and a half working in it, but getting to be able to show everyone else what it looks like and the people that work there and how they do that process yeah. and what they're looking for, and they break down and it's super super interesting. So I encourage obviously everyone watch all of these episodes, but the Chris King episode they go back and they show an offside play. And what everyone thought, and yeah. why it wasn't a call, and what the breakdown was, and it was super fascinating. Adam, I don't know
3: if you've seen you it, but yeah, Chris
2: asked me. That's so one, I have, well. one
0: I haven't seen. I was Gary Roberts, Doug Gilmore, like those were my yeah, guys, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah,
3: no, and, and I don't think they're all even out yet, so I'm not even sure. But uh, um, he, he asked me what I thought. Is that obviously offside, right? I'm like, yeah, that's offside. That should be no goal. And then they we back up and we do this backtracking, and he shows, and it actually was a goal. It was completely and totally a good goal. So wow. the, the challenge was overruled. On yeah, the well, ice. And oh. you watch
2: it and you're like, oh, I see how I If you don't were a fan <laughs> and it went
3: against you, you'd be like, you idiots, you can't see any. You'd be
0: yelling at your TV. But thankless gig. Oh, my
3: God. Oh, a completely thankless yeah. gig.
2: Unbelievable. Completely thankless gig. Why
0: anybody would take that on? I mean, I, I get that but, there's but some. But
2: they do. You know why they take it on? Because they love hockey.
0: Yeah.
3: And
2: they love the idea that we will get the most <laughs> accurate possible. Yes. You know, and, and um
3: And that is and no ceremonial. That is no ceremonial job. That's no. not oh, like no. you know, hey Chris, why don't we come and we'll throw you a few bucks and uh, you can just you know walk around the building and stuff like not that there's mm-hmm. anything wrong with those positions either, mm-hmm. but he has a desk and a gig and he is working all the time he is and he's there on the phone. The that's time. a that's a desk job, man. Yeah, that's and yeah, un- like until he becomes the pit boss <laughs> at game time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, he's like the pit boss walking back and forth. He is,
2: yeah. He'd walk back and forth <laughs> with his little headset on and and you know, watch... You know, yeah. I remember being in there it being, tw- I think the max games that could be on at once was 12. And when there's 12 games on at once and you have different people in every and game, and there are 14 it's a lot.
3: cameras, non broadcast cameras. In every arena, 14. Yep. That wow, that is that is just for the situation Goals, room. Blue
2: lines, Eventually, everything. some of the
3: footage that they capture from those cameras end up. They might f- give a couple to the broadcaster so they can show the people at home what's going on. Wow. But 14 non-broadcast cameras in addition to all the broadcast cameras yeah, that are there. Okay, you're asking lot. me about some of the people that it's I. It's a
2: lot. lot yeah. yeah. One of the.
3: Um, so I mentioned. Uh, um, Ron Ellis, uh, I mentioned uh, uh, Paul Henderson, which is incredible, because he calls the goal. I mean, it w- we were talking about the Summit Series and the goal that is, was considered the biggest goal in hockey history. He calls it a garbage goal.
0: He does. You know, is funny? Yeah. yeah.
3: Um, one of the biggest uh, and one of the best chats I had, I think, was with Shane Corson. And, um, you know, there's a guy I loved watching play just because, you know, fists of fury. And, you know, he just played really, really hard. And which
2: I find really funny because I've only met Shane yeah. in his, like, alumni capacity. Yeah. And he just seems like this... Lovely, genteel glasses. Well he's a big like. dude with
0: big arms.
3: He's,
2: yeah. he's a solid But I'm just trying to imagine him like yeah. punching people oh, he was, like kind of con. He <laughs> was
0: vicious. And and yeah. and they I remember specifically it was the Leafs islander series and he shut down Alexi mm. Ashen. That yeah. was that was a series they weren't supposed to win. That. Yep. And and it was a you know so that's a guy that's with some stories. Well, and one of the heartbreaking ones was I don't I don't if you guys have seen that one, is
3: that he suffered from anxiety throughout his whole life and uh, uh, crippling anxiety. And uh, from the outside, you know, you're a fan watching, you're like, here's this good looking dude who's got all this money and the world in front of him and, you know, drafted by the Canadians and now he's a Leaf and he's doing all you know, he's just having a great life. And meanwhile, he's curled up in a hotel room somewhere, you know, just dreading waking up the next day. Um, yeah, and anxiety
2: uh, doesn't care a whole lot about the rest of your uh, life. It's And true. where you go. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, so uh, um, you sometimes really can't, uh, I mean, until you until you skate a mile in their skates or whatever yep, you want to say, right? Use, use the metaphor, but um, it, that part was amazing. And so again, I mentioned that the comedians and cars and coffee, the movement aspect of the show, <coughs> excuse me, Shane hated doing press because often it was uh, a light in your eyes. Mm-hmm. You're sitting down, two people side by side, lights go on and everybody, and he would just freeze. He would freeze in an interview situation. <laughs> we walked through a park. We were walking through Lawrence Park, you know, just uh, uh, shooting the breeze. And he's like, Paul, this is great. This is, you know, totally different. I feel free. I feel easy. I can, ch- you know, chat with you. Uh, totally different than sitting down in an
0: interview format in a TV studio somewhere. So, and it's yeah. different. You know, you've been amped up for three hours on, you know, your tes- testosterone yeah. and just you're sweaty and crazy yeah. and whatever. And then you're being asked. I mean, it's, a, I don't think people understand. A drop. Yeah, there's a lot
2: physically going on. Totally, yeah. They
0: also didn't want to give anything away,
3: right? They never wanted to say anything that would uh, um, put their teammates in a poor light. Uh, reflect poorly on them, the organization, anything. So they are just...
2: They're making 27 judgments in a second in with a the camera second. in their face. And yeah. and often, and I watch all the post-game interviews and do a lot of transcriptions, you'll have like the beads of sweat still running. And they're trying to give a serious interview yeah. and the camera zooms in and all you can see is the beads of sweat know, running the down reporter- their face. And you're like, oh... The yeah.
3: reporter, you know, Let's Chris Simpson's got her hair done at Fiorio, where we get our hair <laughs> yes. cut. Adam yes. and I get our hair cut That's by how the we know same time. Philippe <laughs> Fiorio, <laughs> by Philippe, the way. A yeah. little shout out for Fiorio. He <laughs> says you're crap at... Fortnite? Fortnite, yes, yeah. I am. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty a, bad. A video game <laughs> these
0: guys
2: I've play online. i noticed that's been your thing lately. I noticed you were playing Fortnite, and I was like, "What are you going to come in and challenge the Toronto Maple Leafs well, and lose?" That's
0: my hope. I, I hear that uh, Austin and a few of the other guys just like adore this game. Well, and
3: it's I can Okay, you can why.
2: take Freddy, because apparently he's terrible.
0: Oh, is he? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Right, I
2: think good.
3: we should spend some of this podcast talking about your stag as well. <laughs> no, what we should, should. tell not. me some stories about no, that. No, no, no,
2: no. That's that's off air conversation. Thank you very much. We do not. We're not. No.
3: So. <laughs> Um, I talked to the broadcasters too. A bunch of broadcasters talking. Oh. Kiprios went behind the scenes on oh, Hockey Night in Canada. He
2: said if, if, if we won something, that uh, downtown Toronto would snap off and yeah. slide into Lake Ontario.
3: <laughs> That's right. Which is which is the total opposite of what Ron Ellis said about uh, uh, um, about uh, uh, in the 1967 Cup. Uh, he said everybody was pretty excited, but it hadn't been that long since they won one before, so it wasn't that it was a big deal, but not that big a deal. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. The last time they didn't know it was going to be fifty odd years until they won the next one. Yeah, yeah. really good. Good lord!
0: But it's it's happened. <laughs> it's going to happen soon. Yeah. Paul McGuire, thank you so
3: much for you were coming on. I was cutting this
2: like it was wood, and no, I was like, "This happen. is a marble." I that's it. <laughs> you can knock on marble, can't you? That's <laughs> it. Nice. Knock
0: on marble. Yeah. yeah, you guys are doing a
3: good thing here. This is fun. Anyway, always a leaf. It was a ton of fun being a part of it. It really was. As a guy it's that's cool, been in broadcasting right. for twenty five years, and uh, I do nothing but listen. Uh, whenever I'm not working and you know interviewing musicians or entertainers or whatever. I'm listening to sports radio. That's all I do is listen to sports radio. So finally, I got a show where I could, you know, uh, uh, um, dig into into sports and talk to players that I've been watching for so long. Uh, this was, and uh, it was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Really, well, f-
0: personally, so satisfying. And you've only hit sixteen of them, and there's many, many more. I so hope. We, get to do we have a lot than... of alumni. Yeah. yeah, can't wait for season two. Yeah, thanks, Kate.